Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, guys. Happy Teen Mom Week. Welcome to Feathers in My Hair. Every week's Teen Mom Week. Well, I recorded this whole episode, and for whatever reason, the first, like, minute is missing, and my brother, I'm at my brother's house in Seattle, I'm visiting my new baby nephew, and it starts about a minute in with me saying the word nephew. Uh, so yeah, enjoy. Bear with me. I'm on a weird-ass microphone that I cannot work that well. Love you guys. My new nephew, and I am recording on a weird microphone of my brother's that... I am very nervous about because this is not my usual routine, and you guys all know my editing skills and recording skills are, like, below zero. Um, They're actually not. (laughs) I can do it. It's just uh, a lot. But, um, yeah, so basically it's excuse any weird technical difficulties on this episode, but um, it's reunion time anyway, and uh, basically nothing happened. I am exhausted from hanging out with my nephew. Uh, let's just say I am not ready to have a baby. He is seven weeks old and cute and perfect, and I love him, but oh boy, our baby's terrifying, I would say is one word. I watched him today Why they went out on a date for like four hours and we went on like a two-hour walk, which was great because he slept the whole time. And then we were back in the house and he was screaming and I was terrified and <laughs> I thought I was overfeeding him and it was a lot. And I babysit, but I've never been on my own with like a baby baby, like a newborn. And it was a lot. It was scary, guys. Um, yeah, basically. So, Team Mom Reunion. It was fine. Um, I watched both of them last night. Uh, here's a little fun fact about me that people will constantly talk to me about the episode of Team Mom, but I don't watch it until usually the night before that I record because when I watch a show, I have to take notes and it's like not that fun to watch a show and take notes. So I just read recaps online, (laughs) uh, which I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of you don't watch the show because with Teen Mom, you can absolutely just read recaps or just um, listen to the podcast and know what's going on. So yeah, I finally watched it last night. I knew what it would be about, so it wasn't surprising and I was underwhelmed. Uh, I'm just going to go in order. So the episode's the first episode starts with the three on the couch. Uh, Caitlin's yellow shirt is horrific. I don't feel like it's being too harsh to say that it was horrific. It was so ugly. It was not. It was not good, guys. It was not good. Um. Okay. So right off the bat, I'm annoyed because like, why are they pretending like they're so shocked about um. Amber, or excuse me, about Farrah not wanting to come out on stage. Like, Amber's like, well, I guess she's, like, scared of me, maybe. And it's like, yeah, bitch, like, she doesn't want to film with you because there was a physical altercation. 
Like, I, I don't, I find it very weird that they're pretending like this is a surprise because it's not a surprise. And it makes sense that Farrah doesn't want to film with them. I mean, like, I want her to get over it for the sake of the show. But, like, I'm not that mad about it. Um, Amber's like, well, she can't, like, face people after she talks shit. Which is true. You know, like, that's a fair criticism of Farrah. But, I don't know. It's, it's boring that she won't come film with them. And it's annoying, but it's understandable. I thought Macy looked really beautiful. Did you guys like her look? Like, Macy is pretty good at reunion looks. Like, I think she had a leather jacket and black ripped jeans and really nice black heels on. And her makeup was done really well. Her hair looked great. It was a really nice color. Like, that's probably the best I've ever seen Macy look since we've known her. Like, so for 10 years, that's the best Macy's ever looked. I was, I was quite proud of her. Um, she looks good when she's a professional to do her makeup. I mean... Literally, who doesn't? But especially she does. I have no idea how far away to be from this microphone. Um, so Kate basically is like, well, I just don't want to hang out with people who are mean or negative. And she's like, look at how she talks to her mom. Like, my mom would knock me out cold for that. And it's like, well, yeah, April probably would. Um, and, you know, I get what they're saying. Like, I would not want to spend time with Farah. But I also probably wouldn't want to spend time with Caitlyn. So, um, I don't feel, I don't know. It all feels very fake, doesn't it? They're fighting. It doesn't feel real. Um, I don't buy the three of them as, like, this close-knit of friends that's leaving Farrah out. It just, I don't know. I also don't like that. I kind of want MTV to force Farrah to film because I just, it feels too uneven. Like, she can sit on a separate couch and, like, smile and nod. Uh, they do a little montage, and they talk about how they relate to one another, and Caitlin says she relates to Amber's mental illness, and Amber says she relates to Deb threatening to kill herself, which is not that surprising, because Amber has borderline personality disorder, and so does Deb. At least that's what I think. Um, <laughs> that's what Rachel told me, and Rachel diagnosed her. Just kidding, Rachel. By the way, I'm going to be seeing Rachel in my Seattle uh, psychos tomorrow night. I'm so fucking excited. Oh, it's going to be so fun. So what was I saying? Um, Basically, Amber relating to Deb saying that she wants to kill herself and Dr. Drew not saying like that's pretty unhealthy was kind of like strike one for Dr. Drew. For me on this episode, (laughs) Drew should have been like, well, actually, that was a very unhealthy moment and you should not relate to that. Um, so they talk about Bentley and how he plays baseball and Amber says she got Leah into karate and playing bass guitar, which like, I'm not so sure I believe because I'm not sure Amber gets Leah into anything and there are no updates on Carly. So, our first segment is with Amber, and she is wearing her look. I don't know. I don't know. Did I hate it, or did I actually kind of like it? I'm not sure. I think her hair, for what it is, looked kind of cool, actually. I really don't like her blonde hair. Uh, You guys know I've been, like, ragging her on her all fucking season for her hair and makeup, but I this was, like, the best of the blonde, like, the short look that she was rocking. The camo jacket was... Do you think it was available and forever hot? (laughs) Uh, 
it wasn't bad, her look, but it also wasn't good. Um, so she says she's been with Matt for over three years, which is incorrect. Her and Matt met in October for October 2014. We know it was like October 11th or whatever, because that's the date that they wanted to get married. This was filmed at the beginning of June. So no, actually, like you haven't been with him for over three years. Although I guess maybe they were talking at that point. Okay. You know what? You know what, Amber, maybe I'll give it to you. But uh, Dr. Drew's like, so are you still talking? And she's like, well, he lives with me. And um, Dr. Drew says he's, like, worried about Amber being isolated from her family and from her friends. And Amber goes, no, I don't have any friends. I have family. Oh, which is, like, you know, always been a thing that I'm, like, not surprised about. Like, I've always said that Amber has no friends and that the moms with the most, like, volatile and bad lives, like, seemingly don't have friends. Um, Amber, oh, Amber doesn't have any friends, blah, blah, blah. Dr. Drew says that, like, he's really concerned that Matt is isolating from her, her from her family and that he didn't like the way that he got in between Amber and her brother. And Amber was like, yeah, that was a disgusting way to talk to me on, like, to talk to him on camera. I couldn't believe that he did that. Dr. Drew's like, okay, so what about money? Like, you said that money was missing. And she's like, well, he randomly takes out $500, $600. Where is that money going to? And I just want to say that's, like, exactly what Kathy Griffin's husband, Matt, was doing. Remember Matt from My Life on the D-List? And I read Kathy's book. I'm sure she's a couple, but her first book. And she said, like, that's literally exactly what her husband was doing. And, like, he wasn't a drug addict. He wasn't a gambler. And she has, like, no fucking idea, like, what he spent, like, $60,000 on. And he would just go and withdraw, like, $300 a day and just spend it. And she, like, didn't even know. Like, to this day, has no idea what it was, like, what it was spent on, which rocked my world. Um... Amber's like, well, this is my money. I make the money. And that's my house. I live there. And Dr. She's like, well, is he on the deed? And she's like, well, yeah, but it's my house. Uh, first of all, nobody's on the deed because they don't own that fucking house. They're renting it. They might be in like a rent to buy situation, but that house is not under their name or under a corporation that's owned by them. Um, Amber L. Porkwood on Twitter, of course, like has the fucking documents, but they don't own that house. <laughs> they pretend like they own it, but they don't. They don't own that house. They lease that house. Um, or Isn't it weird that you say rent instead of lease, even though you sign a lease? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they don't own the house, so it was really... It's really annoying that everyone pretends like they do. But according to Amber, she's like, I'll make him leave. And Drew's like, well, it might not be that easy. And she's like, yes, it will. And it just showed how like immature and like non-educated and not knowledgeable Amber is because like she can't just make him leave she thinks because she makes the money like she has all the power but really like Matt the con man knows he's gonna have to evict him she's gonna have to evict him like you can't just kick someone out like if they've been getting mail at your house for over 30 days baby like you gotta send an eviction notice like you can't you can't illegally evict someone if they're a resident at your home and I bet their rent their lease is in both their names, so she can't even evict him. She would have to go through the landlord or the company that owns it. And it's just so, yeah, it just shows, like, how short-sighted, I guess, is a good word for it, Amber is, and that she's mad right now, and she thinks she's, Amber genuinely thinks she's the smartest person in the room. I would say that's true of Amber and Farah for sure. 
Um, not really Macy or, and definitely not Caitlin. Uh, poor girl. Poor girl knows she's not the smartest in the room. But Amber, like, really, truly thinks, and I'm sure it's, like, a whole false ego thing, but she thinks she knows better than everyone, which is why she, like, flies off the handle and is always yelling and screaming because if she's the loudest, she has to be the most right. And she's, you know, getting worked up. And she says to Dr. Drew, like, I have to stay healthy. I have to see my kid. It's stopping me from seeing my kid. And I'm wondering, like, what does that mean exactly, that it's stopping you from seeing your kid? Like, <laughs> uh, say what? Stopping you from seeing your kid. Why aren't you seeing your kid, hun? Um, and she starts crying because she says that everyone looks up to her and she keeps her emotions inside, which is... Probably one of the dumbest fucking things I've heard in a long time. What does that mean? She keeps her emotions inside? She does the opposite. She keeps the emotions outside. Her emotions are always outside of her body. It's so stupid. She Amber is always screaming and crying and yelling and flipping out. Like, when does she keep her emotions inside? Ugh, it doesn't make any sense. And, of course, Dr. Drew's like, yeah, you do. I can tell. <laughs> And, like, she's just so convinced she's, like, a fucking, like, the savior to young women. And Jesse and I uh, really, like, broke this down when we went, we talked for, like, two hours about her Instagram meltdown and how she thinks she's, like, personally, like, saving the lives of all of the women that watch the show. Uh, apparently, she was a peer counselor in prison, which I guess I did know. And Dr. Drew's like, okay, well, did they teach you about boundaries? And Amber's like, well, I'm good at boundaries if it's, like, friends. It's just with Matt that I have no boundaries. And I was pretty proud of her for saying that, that, like, she had no boundaries with Matt. Um, I think she is getting a little bit of self-awareness when it comes to her relationship with Matt. And, like, that's obviously a good thing. Um... And, yeah, Dr. Drew is excited about that, too. So, Matt is not there. The reason that he gave, which I didn't say on the show, is that he was having surgery. Um, I think he just didn't go. Which, you know, is bad because Amber's not allowed to go anywhere without Matt. Actually, I should rephrase that. Amber doesn't want to go anywhere without Matt. You know, it's like, Drew says, like, he's isolating you. He's isolating you. And I read that online. Like, she's he's isolating her. I think she's doing it herself. I think Amber and Janelle are very similar this way in that they let their boyfriends isolate them. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm, like, victim-blaming them because I don't really think that they're victims. I think Amber likes to not have friends. I think she likes to have a boyfriend that wants to be with her 24-7 because she's borderline personality disorder and enough attention is never enough for her. Um, not even attention, enough love is never enough for her and enough relationship is never enough for her. So she goes all in and chooses not to have friends and chooses not to speak to her family. I really don't think it's Matt isolating her. I don't think it's Matt forcing himself to go with her everywhere. Like, I think she like, it goes back to like how Matt like has to take care of her and run everything in their house because she can't do it herself. And I think she wants Matt to go with her everywhere and do everything for her. So, Matt calls in, I guess he calls in on Skype, and it's a terrible connection. Like, did MTV not fucking check out the connection? Like, they must have just called his cell phone. Like, they couldn't have him, like, I don't know, they didn't send somebody there to, like, make sure that the phone would sound clear. Like, I, I don't know. Um, so, he says, we haven't had a good month or so, and Dr. Drew right away brings up the money, and... 
This is so perfect. And I, I do have some thoughts on this. So Matt is such a fucking con man. And he's such a manipulator. And it's like crazy listening to him talk. Because he's a fucking answer for everything. And it sounds semi-reasonable, the things he says. So he says, Dr. Drew, Dr. Drew, it's not that there's money missing. Sometimes Amber just doesn't accept answers for what they are. And, okay, so before I get into Amber's response, I do want to say that I think he might not be totally lying about this. I think he 100% squirrels away money. 100%. But, like, think about it. They have a Cadillac, a Range Rover, and a fucking Corvette sitting in their driveway. Like, those fucking guitars, those memorabilia guitars hanging on their walls, who knows how much they cost. The furniture in their house, the amount of dogs they have. I can't imagine what they spend on utilities a month. Like, I would not be surprised if Amber, because she has no involvement in their finances whatsoever, just, like, does not understand how much things cost. And, like, when she says there's, like, there's six, where's the $60,000? Is it that Range Rover that's parked in your driveway? <laughs> you know? And, like, I, I just... I do think Matt stole money. Like, absolutely. I do think Matt stole money from her. Of course he stole money from her. But I just don't think it's as much... I don't think it's as much as she thinks it is. I just don't think so. Um... So Amber is pissed that Matt's trying to explain it away. And she's like, don't make me open my fucking mouth and tell everybody where it went. Which I'm assuming she's like saying drugs. But you guys all know that like I don't think Matt's a drug addict. So, you know, there's that. I I wouldn't be surprised if he gambled a lot of his money. Because I think Matt's a gambling addict. Gambling has always been like the one constant in his story. Always. Anyway, so Matt says that... um. Oh, well, Amber says, where's the 60,000? Where's the 30,000? Where's the 90 fucking grand out? You took, you just took $30,000 out. Then you won money and put 20,000 back in. And Dr. Drew's like, oh, so we're talking about a gambling addiction. Are we talking about a gambling addiction? And Amber's like, no, he went one time. And Matt's like, no, it's not, it's not that I have a gambling addiction. I took my MTV earnings, that 30K, and I went and gambled. And Amber's like, you know that's not how much you made. And he's like, okay, 27000 Which, like, by the way, if you guys remember on the after show when Matt said he bought that Corvette with his first big Team Mom paycheck. So how did he afford that if he only got paid $27,000? That doesn't make any sense. Um, it doesn't make any sense at all. But, you know, nothing in Matt and Amber's storyline makes sense. So, and Matt's like, well, what did you tell me before I left? What did you tell me before I left? You told me, like, take that fucking money and never come back. So I took the fucking money and never never came back. And um, Amber flips out and is like, you were fucking texting me and calling me the whole time. Like, what do you mean you weren't coming back? Like, you knew you were fucking coming back. I don't know. This whole fight they were having is very, like, kind of weird and hard to follow because they've been basically in the process of breaking up for two months, and now we're just hearing about it, essentially. And anybody that's went through a two-month-long breakup knows that there's 700 fights that happen. And I feel like we were hearing, like, half of one fight, half of another fight. Um, Amber's like, well, if you, like, you say you won money, but you only put, like, you put less than you took in, or you put less than you took out back in, where's the money? And Dr. Drew's like, okay, so where's the money? He's like, it's sitting in my backpack. (laughs) 
which was uh, interesting. Um, Dr. Drew asks Amber, excuse me, Matt says to Amber, Amber, why are we having this conversation right now? And Amber says, because I want you to, I want you to be truthful and I maybe you'll be truthful here. And <laughs> I loved this. Now she's like, before age was just an Amber age didn't mean anything. Like he's a grown man. I love my man. Now she's like, stop acting stupid. 46 year old man. Stop it. <laughs> And she says to Matt, everyone knew what was going to happen. Everyone knew we were in a bad state. And she just, like, looks disgusted. And Dr. Drew's like, okay, so how do we move past this? Like, do you get a therapist? And Amber's like, yeah, like, I want a therapist. And Matt the whole time is trying to be like, why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about this? And Amber was like, if I come home and you say one word to me about saying anything on TV and embarrassing, we're done. And Matt snaps back. Matt's quick, guys. Like, you know, I'll give it to Matt. Like, he's clever. And he can be funny. Like, because he snapped back and he's like, well, then can I say it to you now? (laughs) Which, like, if you take away, like, how much of a scumbag Matt is, like, that's kind of funny. Like, I don't know. I'm, like, trying to look for the humor in Matt now because I just think he's, like, so nuts. And Amber was like, "I I dare you to say it. And I guess Matt can see her because I guess that he Skyped in and he goes, can you smile? I can see you. Just smile. And he's like, we've had a rough couple months. And Amber's like, we've had a rough couple fucking years and I've stood by your side. And he's like, I know you have. I thank you for that. Like, just smile. You look beautiful. And she's like, this, see, Dr. Drew, this is the man I fell in love with. And I'm like, what? Like, he literally called her beautiful. And she's like, that's the man I love. And it's like, uh, he just basically admitted, you guys just had a fight about him possibly stealing whatever 90 plus $60,000 is $1,500. No, I can't do any math. $150,000, $150,000. And um, because the 30 was the MTV money, whatever. So they're talking about $150,000 missing from Amber's account. And as soon as he says, you're beautiful, she's like, see, Dr. Drew, that's the man I love. That's the man that I want to be with. And it's like, what? Like, he gives her one compliment, and she's like, okay, cool, like, you want to get back together? I'm good. (laughs) I don't know, guys. It's just so weird. So, Gary and Christina come out, and, um, where are we? Gary and Christina come out, and basically, the three of them are on great terms, which is really nice. Um, Christina and Amber are close, and they've been close for a while, which I thought was great. Um, I think it's really good for Leah that they're close because, you know, like Gary said, Leah basically has two moms. And um, Gary basically says, I thought it was really nice. Um, Well, first he says, Gary says that Matt's not allowed to drive, allowed to drive her back and forth. He's like, you know, he always drove her back and forth. I hated that. And Amber's like, I did too. And it's like, what? Like, Matt drove you? I just... (sighs) She would say, like, I'm not going with Matt because I'm mad at Gary. So how is that Matt's fault? I don't know, guys. Like, nothing Amber says makes sense to me ever. Amber is, like, such an enigma wrapped in a riddle wrapped in cash to me. So Gary said that he's not going to let Matt 
drive her back and forth anymore because he's like, how do I know if he took one pill or 12 pills? And that's, like, the first time they brought up, like, Matt's relapse. Like, this whole fight they showed us was about the money. Like, why aren't they talking about the drugs? I'm using quotation marks here because you guys know I don't believe he had a relapse because I don't believe he's a drug addict. I believe Matt does drugs. I believe Matt takes his Xanax here and there. I believe Matt smokes weed. I believe Matt drinks. I definitely can see Matt doing coke. Like, but I just don't think he's a drug addict. I think he's a drug user. He parties, but I don't think he's an addict. Gary does say, which I thought was really nice, he said, I think he said Amber is my fourth priority. And I would assume that means Leah, Emily, Christina, and then Amber. Um, You know, he was like, without, if she's not a priority, that's like not good for my daughter. She has to be a priority for my daughter. I thought that was responsible, caring, lovely, wonderful, by the way, my brother's cat literally cries like a child, and it just did it, and it terrified me. It's nuts. <laughs> my brother and the baby and my sister-in-law are out somewhere right now, so you won't hear the baby screaming in the background. He's very fussy at seven and a half weeks. Matt, excuse me, so Gary brings up, he was like, you know, like, I just question it. Like, first he talked to, like, what team mom? And then he talked to another team mom. And then it's like, okay, so what are you here for? Are you here for Amber or what? And Dr. Drew, like, kind of stops him and is like, no, no, no. Like, don't get ahead of yourself. Like, you are doing good. And Gary's like, Amber knows, like, I'm telling the truth. And you know what? Like, I will give props to Amber. Like, she sat there and took that. And it's the first time she's allowed anybody, like, you know Matt and her have to be in a bad place because she was letting Gary talk shit on him. And she just sat there and was like, yeah, that's true. And, like, I will give props to Amber in regards to that. Custody is going well. And my final thought is how much money in diamonds do you think Amber is wearing? Because I noticed she had a diamond bracelet, diamond earrings, and I didn't notice a ring. I did not look for that. But she had fucking ice on. And that's what I mean. Like, wait, how, there's no way Amber has that much money. Yeah, they make a lot of money from Teen Mom. But, like, not a lot of money. They don't make millions of dollars. They're probably... I think the Teen Mom OGs are making between, like, somewhere between three hundred and five hundred thousand and 500000 a season. Which is a lot of money. But it's not a ton of money if you have three cars, child support. Like, I don't know. That's what I mean when, like, I say, like, I don't think she comprehends how much money. If she's wearing 50K, if she's, like, where's $60,000, but, like, she's wearing 50K on her uh, her neck, wrists, and ears, it's, like, well, that's where it went, to your shit. Like, I bet he's, she's, like, where did this 80K go? And he's, like, you were with me when we bought these guitars on the wall. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. What will Am? I just always wonder, like, what... So what's going to be Amber's storyline next season, like, if she does break up with Matt? Like, what will we see? I don't know. I don't know. I just have no idea. Okay. So let's go to Macy. Like I said, I loved her hair and makeup. I did like that they acknowledged that Bentley wasn't fine. And she said, you know, Bentley's confused. He's scared. Um, he's concerned. I like that they didn't just pretend like everything was fine with Bentley. I thought that was good. And Dr. Drew says, I remember there's always been concern about drink Ryan's drinking and maybe other stuff. And it's like, what? When was there concern about Ryan's drinking? 
I don't know. Like, they just threw that in there, and, like, I guess he means behind the scenes, because I don't remember there ever being concerned about Ryan's drinking or other stuff. Uh, I mean, like, I've been concerned about other stuff since OG came back on air, but... Oh, and by the way, like, I'm about to say some controversial stuff about Macy that may make some of you guys angry. Just a fair warning. Um, I'm not going to say I'm on Mackenzie's side because I think she's, like, a garbage idiot, but, like... I'm not really on Macy's side either. Dr. Drew says straight out that he thinks Ryan's on opiates and Macy doesn't correct him. Macy says that she talked to Jen a while back but got shut down. I'm not sure I believe Macy. She was very vague, very weird. Um, I'm just not sure I believe her. Uh, She says she didn't want to talk to Mackenzie because she didn't want Mackenzie not to trust Ryan or to doubt their relationship. Okay. I'm going to start now with my Macy spiel. Macy's storyline this season is that she is so distraught over Ryan that she cries herself to sleep every night. It's all she talks to Taylor about and she will never forgive herself if something happens. But she had one vague conversation where Jen kind of shut her down and she didn't go to Mackenzie. That makes no fucking sense. It makes no sense. I'm sorry. If you are so concerned that you are crying yourself to sleep at night, you go to his fucking parents, you go to his mom, you go to his dad, you go to his fucking fiance, and you tell them straight up, I found out in November Ryan is doing, let's all say it, heroin. I found out in November Ryan is shooting up heroin. So why would you not... It just, it doesn't make any sense. Either your storyline is that you know he's doing this thing, but it's none of your business and you can't do anything about it. Or your storyline is, I'm so distressed, I'm going to do everything that I can about it. Macy didn't do shit. She didn't do shit. I'm sorry. Calling the fucking interventionist doesn't mean shit. It's not a real thing to call the drug and alcohol counselor. I'm glad she reached out to somebody for help, but you don't... It's not Macy's place to do an intervention. Like, that, an intervention is not possible without his mother's father and his fiance there. I shouldn't say it's not her place to do an intervention. She could do an intervention with his family there. It's just so insane that I'm supposed to sit here and say that Macy did everything possible except talk to the people that fucking are in his life. That doesn't make any sense, guys. And I understand it was trash. I'm going to get into it for Mackenzie to come on and blame Macy for his addiction and blame him for expose, blame her for exposing him. Fine. Mackenzie, Mackenzie is the worst. This is not a defense of Mackenzie, and I don't want anybody to take it as a defense of Mackenzie. But the fact is, Macy's reasoning is bullshit. I'm sorry, it is. I'm calling it like it is. I I cannot sit here and act like Macy did everything right. I don't necessarily think Macy was in the wrong. And I think that might, I don't know if that's going to come across. I feel myself getting worked up. You guys know I always get worked up when it comes to drugs. I'm sorry, it's the thing that's affected my life the most. It has killed friends You know, I've had friends die. I've had friends... I've basically almost killed myself. I mean, I never OD'd, but I was doing heroin. That's killing myself. I watched my boyfriend, like, slowly kill himself, basically. Thank God he's alive. The only reason he's alive probably is because he's literally in prison doing six years now. Um, I'm getting worked up. But... (laughs) I'm definitely getting overworked up. But basically, I just think, like, Macy's, not opinion, Macy's 
storyline and stance is bullshit. You know, like, she talked to Jen once, which I'm not even sure I buy. Why just talk to Jen? Why not talk to Larry, too? Why not pull the three of them together and demand a family meeting? And you know what? I've seen people on Reddit. I've seen people on Facebook. I've seen people on Twitter say that's not Macy's place, and I disagree. If it wasn't Macy's place, then she shouldn't have mentioned it at all on the show. It either is your place or it's not. And if it's not your place, you keep your fucking mouth shut and you don't make it a goddamn storyline. You let people speculate. You let people say what they want. If you want it to be your place, you bring it up on TV. And please don't tell me that it was fucking Amber and Caitlin that brought it up because Macy fucking confirmed it. And they wouldn't have brought it up if it wasn't okay with Macy. That's all I'm saying. That's not all I'm saying because I'm not even halfway through this podcast. (laughs) But yeah, I just, I just find her, I did everything I could. I was so distressed. Stuff bullshit. I'm sorry, it's bullshit. And I have to call it bullshit because I'm tired of Macy being painted as some sort of fucking hero in this. You know what Macy did wrong? And that's okay. It's okay that Macy did wrong. I don't blame Macy for any of this. She was in uncharted territory. But the fact that she's unable to acknowledge that she did anything wrong is annoying to me. It bothers me. It does. I'm not going to (laughs) pretend. I'm such an asshole. I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't bother me. No shit, Liz. Everybody knows that I'm not going to pretend that. Um, I'm going to guess some of you are probably pretty surprised by the stance that I'm taking because Um, I know Mackenzie has come off as such a villain this season. And, like, this letter, which I'm going to get into in a second, is, like, hot garbage. Like, once again, I need the team mom girls and guys to give me a call before they want to do anything because I could have presented this in a lot better way. But I did understand what Mackenzie was trying to say, which I guess I should just get right into it. Because, um, Mackenzie comes out. And they show the driving scene again. Oh, well, first we find out he's not there because uh, Ryan's in rehab. Mackenzie looks a hard 38. She has an I want to talk to the manager haircut. She's wearing a little black cocktail dress, which is weird. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. She's not a Real Housewives reunion, um, especially next to Macy's like flaw-free casual outfit. Um, (laughs) Mackenzie just looks weird and out of place and like you know she was so excited to go on this reunion we see this driving scene again and Mackenzie says she figured out some things I'm wondering why Dr. Drew didn't push Mackenzie harder and why she let him drive I think that was a real oversight by Dr. Drew and MTV um he should have pushed her on that but you know what as I've said Dr. Drew is not Andy Cohen don't expect so much from Dr. Drew and the Team Mom reunions, or you'll want to chop your head off. It's just not worth it, guys. Dr. Drew, like, le- did anybody else notice that? That he, like, leaned over and held Macy's hand and was like, I know this is so hard for me for you. And they talk about the fact that Ryan went to rehab in 2012 and that he had, like, come to Macy for help. You know, once again, Dr. Drew's like, well, did Mackenzie know about this? And Macy was like, no. And he's like, well, why didn't you tell her? And she's like, well, it wasn't my place. So whose place is it, I guess? I feel like Macy very much, and Mackenzie, you know, I think this is, like, I'm not from the South, but um, I'll run this, my theory by Jessie when I see her. My thing is, I feel like this is a lot of, like, Southern, like, it's not my place, it's not my place, but it is my business. And they make it their business, and it's all 
they're all in the business, but then when push comes to shove to actually do something, it's not their place, so they're not going to get involved. And, like, I just think it's bullshit. Like, I think it's bullshit. Like, she knew Ryan had a problem, and she knew that Mackenzie didn't know about his past in rehab. So why would she just not tell Mackenzie? Mackenzie decides to read her open letter, which, if I was a smart person, I would have transcribed but I'm not a smart person, and I'm, like, having this realization. Um, I, like, buckled over when I found out that she called it an open letter. Like, (laughs) it's just so stupid. Mackenzie's so stupid. Like, I know that's mean to say why I'm I'm now pretending like I care about anything being mean on this podcast, but, like, bear with me, guys. But, just Mackenzie is a dum-dumb. She's not smart. She is not smart at all. Um, and it just sounds so stupid. She she does like a 525,600 minutes. How do we measure a year, a year in the life? Um, like, I was like, did I, am I a rent? Like, where's Mark? Um, uh, what if I just turn this into a rent-based podcast? Would you guys like that? Please let me know. Oh, I still want to figure out, I I think next time I go to an AA meeting that I'm asked to speak at, I'm going to record um, my share, which I should, I spoke last week and it was, it was actually a really great share if I do say so myself. All the old men who are old timers who everybody in the rooms want to impress like came up to me and told me it was great. And I fucking wish I had recorded that because you're allowed to record if it's just yourself. Blah, blah, blah. I'm allowed to record my own share uh, to play on the podcast. Maybe it's like part of the Patreon extended episode. I would just like plop it at the end or maybe I'll just record it at home. Um, not in a meeting so I could have better audio. I know Saad said she would like to hear it, and I feel like Saad is pretty tough on me on what she likes and what she doesn't like about the podcast. Love you, Saadi. And um, so if she wants to hear it, I think I will plop on a 12-step share, basically my story and, like, how I got to be who I am uh, in drugs and stuff. I think I'll, like, plop it on just at, like, the end of an episode recap, and it'll be, like, a fucking five-hour-long podcast, which... Look, I love, and I think you guys love it too. Okay, back <laughs> back to Mackenzie. Um, so she says she's only known about Ryan's addiction for two days before he walked into treatment, which I've, I've talked about this, right? Like what I, I think Mackenzie knew he was doing drugs, but didn't realize he was a heroin addict and didn't realize how severe it was. Um, I think part of that was just like her denial and part of that was her like, just being dumb and uneducated and naive. Um, I would bet she came home a handful of times and found him fucked up, but was just, like, okay with it because she figured, like, because he told her, like, he took too much Xanax. Oh, my God, I'm sitting on the floor because of the way I have to use this mic and my ass is... I just, like, shifted and my butt is fast asleep, guys. Oh, that doesn't feel good. Okay, um, so, yeah, I... You know, it's so funny because, like, It's so easy for us to be like, she knew, she knew, we knew. And I can say from experience, like with my ex-boyfriend, that sometimes it's easier to spot it in someone that you're not close to. Because when you're close to them, you just don't want to see it. And I, I do genuinely think that it's possible 
that Mackenzie did not know the extent of his addiction. I would assume that she knew that something was going on, but she wasn't willing to admit it and didn't fully understand what it was. Um, I don't think she knew the total extent. I really, I don't. I just don't. Um, and you can call me like a Mackenzie apologizer or stupid. I've known many uh, people who are close to an addict that does not realize they're an addict. I've had that experience myself. And it's a lot more complicated when you're inside of it. And yeah, I've literally been saying since OG came back on that I think Ryan's a drug addict and I used to get fucking reamed for it on Reddit. And people would be like, you have no proof. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, you know, like not to brag, but to brag, I was right. But I think it's a lot easier when you're detached from the situation and like you can be like that guy ain't right like I think he's fucking high but when you love somebody it's like that you don't though when you love someone so much the last thing you want is for them to be a drug addict and so your mind will come up with a million different explanations for why they're behaving the way that they're behaving and it's denial it's enabling but it's also like being blinded by love. And I think, you know, a lot of people like just ask yourself like how many shitty boyfriends you stayed with or girlfriends that you've stayed with like that you should not have and to everybody else, not even that they're a drug addict, but like their shitty behavior was so obvious to everyone else and everyone else in your life like told you about it or at the end of like when you broke up was like, yeah, we fucking knew that, but you were just blinded to it and you just didn't see it or if you saw it, you explained it away because you felt like the love was more important. You know, and like when you feel like the love is more important and the love is bigger than this thing, it's really easy to make excuses. And I'm not saying that's okay, but I think you're hard-pressed to find any person and that had like a failed shitty relationship, which is most of us, that didn't ignore and deny extremely large red flags. I mean, how many of us have been cheated on and then we looked back and it was like so fucking obvious the whole time, but like we told ourselves like that this couldn't be happening, this couldn't be happening, we excused away the behavior. You know, like I... I just, like, ask of you who have, like, zero sympathy for Mackenzie and don't believe at all that she couldn't have known that he was an addict to, like, look back at your past relationships and ask yourself, like, if once you broke up, like, you came to the realization that there were, like, major red flags that you had been actively ignoring. You know, it is a little different. Mackenzie has a kid that she brought into this situation. She got married, but the fact is she's still a 20-year-old who was forced into some fucking marriage with another 16-year-old. Like, she... It's just bad. Mackenzie is from, like, a bad situation and, you know, I think is blinded by love and stability and has no idea. Like, I just can't imagine, like, getting married at 16 and having a kid and then, like, being 20 and single. Like, I'm not that surprised she rushed into another marriage. And her parents were encouraging of it. Okay, so basically what the worst part of, um... Mackenzie's letter was was the whole thing but you know she said like when I told you Ryan went to treatment you said you've known by November which is 525,600 minutes that you like let him be an addict and that's being an enabler Whew. you know I like had a lot of 
as you guys heard, I had a lot of trouble with a lot of things that Macy did, but I would not say what she did was being an enabler. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's correct. She says, you know, this is not a reality TV show. This is our actual reality. You humiliated Ryan, his family, and most of him, most of all our children. Um, and Mackenzie or Macy just starts laughing and she's like, so don't sign up to be on a fucking TV show. And Mackenzie's like, let me finish. And she's like, you exploited your, you exploited Ryan's life. And Mackenzie's like, or Macy's like, their names are too similar, guys. Macy's like, you know, I didn't exploit his life. Like, your husband exploited your, and she's right. Like, excuse me, she's right. Ryan exploited Mackenzie, but I do have the same questions as Mackenzie. And if Mackenzie was smarter, what she would have done instead of an open letter, she would have came on stage and she would have said, Macy, I appreciate everything that you did. I really hope that you're, I'm really glad you've been supporting Ryan. Thank you for raising Bentley and for stepping in and doing all the things for Bentley that Ryan's unable to do. I really wish, I will be honest, I really wish that you had told me. I can understand now why you did not tell me, but I will admit it was very hard for me to understand why you would discuss it on TV and not discuss it with me. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I understand you are in a hard place, but I will be honest, I'm angry about that and I wish you would come to me first. We can't change the past and I hope we can move on from here, but I will let you know what you did hurt me. That's it. But Mackenzie's a fucking idiot and doesn't have the emotional or the emotional maturity or intelligence to express that. Because the fact is, in my opinion, Mackenzie has the right to be mad at Macy. She does. I'm sorry. You have the right to be mad that Macy said it on TV and didn't say it to you. That's 100% correct. But she doesn't have the right to go on and call her an enabler and say that she humiliated Ryan and Ryan's family and our future children and that you exploited him and blah, 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 blah. You don't have the right to say that shit. And that's Mackenzie. So Molly McAleer always talks about housewives going off message and the Vanderpump Rules kids going off message. And Mackenzie, like, not only went off message, she, like, ripped the message up, burned it, danced around the fire, poured gasoline on it, and then said what she was going to say. Like, <laughs> Mackenzie, girl, call me to before next reunion and we'll talk about what you should say. She storm Mackenzie storms off stage and Macy's basically just like, well, I didn't feel like it was my place to tell her. And the interventionist told me I shouldn't tell her, which, um, well, oh, no, I should rephrase this. She says the interventioner, interventioner, interventionist agreed with her that she shouldn't tell Mackenzie, which to me was very important language because um, I can get anybody basically to agree with me about anything, any professional uh, medical person, which an interventionist is not. You know, once like I had a therapist and I didn't want to see her anymore, but like I was in therapy because like my parents were kind of making me be in therapy because I had like a fucking mental I had one of 100 mental breakdowns in my life, and, like, my boyfriend was in jail at the time. It was, my life was a goddamn mess, and I convinced my therapist that I was doing really great, and my life seemed really together, and I didn't need to continue with therapy anymore, (laughs) because that's what I do. I know how to manipulate a fucking therapist, and I'm sure Macy knows how to manipulate an interventionist, and I, like, if you tell an interventionist, well you know, they're getting high together. Not that I'm saying Macy said that. Or she knows, but she's not doing anything about it. Or, like, there are, she could present the situation in so many ways that she could get an interventionist to be like, yeah, I get, yeah, that's fine. Don't go through her. You're right. That doesn't make sense. What does the interventionist know? He doesn't know Mackenzie from Adam. It, It's just, it's just a 
it doesn't it doesn't really make it doesn't really have give me a lot of confidence in this situation. Um Mackenzie comes back out and Dr. Drew asks if they're going to Al-Anon and <laughs> Mackenzie goes, he goes, so you're going to Al-Anon? She goes, mm, yeah, yeah. Like the quickest and most lying yeah I've ever heard. And Macy said she's not and Dr. Drew recommended she is. So that was Macy's segment. Um, it was actually interesting. I would say like the one interesting part of this whole two part reunion. Um, I mean, like, Amherst was kind of interesting, I guess, but I I liked this segment because I, I did like Mackenzie making a fool out of herself. I will be honest, that was, like, a high point for me. <laughs> I just like dumb people doing dumb things. Don't you guys? Like, isn't that why we watch a lot of reality TV to see dumb people doing dumb things? Hey, guys, thanks for listening. To hear the rest of this episode, come on over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Have a good week. Join me next week for Team Mom 2, baby. Janelle's back. Love you. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah Giovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos and come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.